Welcome to training from Scott Ross Online. Scott Ross is a highly sought after and internationally acclaimed personal development and leadership coach who speaks to more than 50,000 people a year. The same strategies he's taught top executives are available to you through programs like this one. We encourage you to take notes and listen to this audio multiple times for maximum results. And now, here's Scott. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scott Ross Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 113, and as a reminder, you're going to be able to get the show notes for this episode at scottrossonline.com slash 113. That is the number 113. There is an archive there of 112 episodes. It is dozens of hours of leadership and personal development gold. I highly recommend that you go out there and listen to the archive. Uh, You can subscribe to to the podcast there by uh, clicking on the um, box in the right-hand side of your screen, or if you're on your phone, just scroll to the bottom and you'll see a subscribe to the podcast section, and it'll take you to... Um, instructions on a very easy way to subscribe to the podcast, no matter what your listening device might be, if you're on an Android, an iPhone, or what have you. So highly recommend you guys subscribe to it so that you get these episodes automatically downloaded to your device every week and can listen again and again. We have been in the midst of a new series on how to overcome the most common leadership challenges. And uh, we talked in the first episode about the challenge of personal productivity. And then last time in episode 112, we started to talk about the challenge of inspiring high performance. And we got about halfway or maybe a third of the way through that discussion. And one of the things that we talked about is that this is perhaps the most common question that I get as a leadership coach as I go around the world is how do I get more out of my team? How do I get my team to perform better? How do I get bigger results? This is what is on the top of every leader's mind. And so very common leadership challenge. And last time, I highly recommend you listen to episode 112. Just go to scottrossonline.com slash 112 and you can hear it. But uh, we just talked about the idea of modeling high performance. And then we very briefly at the end talked about casting a vision for a personal win due to a high level of personal performance. Today, we're going to pick up and we're going to continue this idea of inspiring high performance in your team. And uh, we're going to talk about four or five additional techniques that you can use as a leader in order to get the most out of your people. So the third technique in this series of, of getting high performance, but the first one I want to talk about today is belief in your people. If you really want to get high levels of performance out of your people, the best thing that you can do is to believe in them. Something that I say very frequently is that our obligation as leaders is to see more in our people than they see in themselves. We got to believe more in them than they believe in themselves. You know, if you think about great coaches, um, whether it's sports like football or basketball or whether it is people who get great things out of a musician or whatever, there is one common thread. And that common thread is that that coach gets more out of the player than the player thought they were 
capable of of achieving by themselves. They pull that little bit extra. I mean, think about why you would want a coach. Why Why do we need coaches? Because coaches take us to a level that we can't get in ourselves. Why do you get a personal trainer? Because if you go to the gym, you can lift, you can push yourself, but you'll push yourself up to where you think you're at the breaking point. Like I'm giving it my all, but the coach will actually cause you to go beyond where you thought you were giving it your all to give even more, to get an even higher level of achievement. I was in the military and I can just tell you unequivocally that one of the things that you learn in the military is that what you perceive you are capable of is far too small because the military will ask things of you. You will be commanded And you will not be able to say no because to say no would be to break the law and go to jail. So you will be commanded to do things that in your mind you're saying that's physically impossible. There's no way we can achieve what they're asking us to achieve. And yet, because there is no option and because you have people pushing you to do it, somehow it always got done. And I'll never forget that lesson. I mean, I left the military thinking, my gosh, what I think is possible for humans to do is way smaller than what is actually possible. Well, that is great coaching, but that is great leadership. But leaders aren't going to demand it as in, you know, the military, but they are going to see it in a person and they're going to communicate that they see it. And that's really part of this whole idea of believing in somebody. It's not an intellectual exercise where you just in your mind go, I see something great in that person. You're going to communicate that belief to them. By the way, let me just tell you that you, When we talk about influence and leadership as influence, nothing more, nothing less, there is maybe no greater thing you can do to get influence with your people than believing in them because it will set you apart from the entire rest of humanity. I mean, think about what most people have happened to them their entire lives. Their entire lives, they're told what they can't do. They're told what they're not capable of. They're told all the ways they are inadequate. I mean, I know that my dad put me down all the time. My dad told me what I wasn't capable of, what I wasn't going to achieve. And then, you know, you go to school and it's this constant pecking order thing where you're comparing yourself with the the cool kids or the rich kids or the athletes or the smart kids or whatever. All you can see is that gap between who they are or who you perceive they are as better than you and then kind of where you are. And then, you know, the world's advertising campaigns are all set up to tell you you're not skinny enough, cool enough, uh, fashionable enough, driving the right car, living in the right home. It's all this, you're not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And then, you know, the, the world is just designed to beat us up. And then here a leader comes into your life and the leader starts telling you, Well, first of all, not only are you good enough, you're way better than you've ever imagined. Let me tell you all the things I see in you. Now, when you say these things to these people, it needs to be genuine. Don't be generic. Don't just be like, hey, man, I believe in you. Although, by the way, that alone is like water to thirsty soil. Like It's like water in a desert to tell someone you believe in them. And especially if they know your heart and they know that it's genuine. But when you infuse that belief statement with something personalized, like 
You know, you just have the greatest smile. I just got to tell you, you just light up the room. And with that kind of smile and the warmth that you exude, do you have any idea what you can achieve in, in being in the people business like you are, the way you can interact with people and make them feel good about themselves? I mean, the power you have to make someone feel accepted and appreciated and loved is going to take you to, I mean, if I had that, I could achieve who knows what. I mean, you have no limit to what you can achieve when you've got that natural persona. See, I made it personal, right? So, Listen, I just got to tell you, the way that you're able to juggle so many things, you've got a hundred plates spinning. You're a single mom, you're working, you're, you're doing stuff at the church, you're volunteering to cook cookies and the bake sale. I mean, my gosh, and you've got this business you're building, you're juggling. So your ability to be productive is off the charts. Most people, personal productivity is their big stumbling block. You've got that nailed. I mean, you are literally going to be a seven-figure earner with that ability to have personal productivity and multitask. I mean, you're making it personal. And so you start to see things in people that maybe they didn't see in themselves. Now, let me tell you a little prerequisite to this. You need to be paying attention to people. You need to be paying attention to where their gifts lie. And this is a tweak. And let me just tell you, at true confessions, let me be vulnerable to you as a leader who is not naturally people-oriented. So there's two types of orientation, just as an aside. There's being a people person, and then there's being a task-oriented person. I am a task-oriented person. I'm about, let's get things done. And so I had to work consciously on the people side of leadership and on the people side of being uh, in in business, which by the way, it's all people just for all you task oriented people. Let me give you the, the cliff notes. It's all about people. People are everything. Now, as a task oriented person, I was not inclined to see the, the positives. I was inclined to see where tasks weren't getting done. And that's a a shift that I had to make. And I'm going to encourage you, you're going to need to make a shift where you're looking for the good in people. You're looking to find that needle in a haystack, even in a, in a raw talent, in a raw, not personally developed young team member, you're looking, where is the little gold nugget that is the thing that I can latch onto that is where they can become great. And when you you start to look at people in that regard where you're looking for the good, let me tell you, you're going to find it and you will separate yourself very quickly in their life. So you look for the good, you start to see that good, you start to have a vision because remember, leaders are vision casters. So you start to have a vision for what that good could produce as fruit in their life and you start saying it to them and communicating to them all of this greatness that you see in them. I'm just telling you, here's what you'll see happen. They will just rise up. They will start to rise to that level of expectation. So believe in people. Believe in people more than they believe in themselves. Now, this brings me to the fourth thing we would do, or the second one in this particular episode, but the fourth ingredient in in inspiring high performance in your people, and it has to do with that last phrase, expectations. Once you start believing in people, also raise the level of expectation in them. But here's the key. 
you cannot do these out of order, first of all. If you just set high expectations without communicating what you believe in people, you will end up blowing people out. People will often just disconnect. They might disconnect for a number of reasons. Number one, you might come across just as a taskmaster. Man, I expect blah, blah, blah. I expect this higher level of performance out of you. Well, who the heck do you think you are in my life to even demand that of me or to ask that of me? That's one way it could come across. The other way is because people have been programmed to believe so little in themselves. People have been programmed to see the worst version of themselves. I mean, think about it. We stand and we look in the mirror and what do we see? All the blemishes, all the flaws. We don't see how gorgeous we are. We don't see how brilliant we are. We don't see how powerful we are. We don't see that we're infused with the genius of our creator. That's not what we see when we look in the mirror because we have been programmed to see the flaws. And then you're going to show up And you're going to be this new breath of fresh air in this team member's life. But if you just simply go, I'm expecting big things, but they still only see themselves as small, they're going to be like, man, I could never do that. And they don't want to be embarrassed and they don't want to let you down. And so they'll just walk away. They'll just go hide. We don't want that to happen. So we've got to make sure that the belief part happens first. But once we've started to communicate all this belief in them and they know our heart, they know. And again, I've said this so many times, guys, you cannot underestimate how important it is for people to know the heart of the leader. If you are not sharing your heart with people, you're going to, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to achieve what you want to as a leader. So you've communicated your heart to them. They know that you are for them. They know that you love them. They know that there's an unconditional admiration for who they are. And now we add the second step, which is we raise the level of expectation. So the first first little key in this setting high expectations is get it in the right order. Belief first, then expectation. The second key is that the high level of expectation must be relative to their state. So, you know, um, one of the things I love about Christ is he takes me just as I am. You know, I couldn't have earned salvation. I just came to him and said, here I am. I'm trusting in you. You've already done the work. He's the ultimate leader. We've got to be the same. We've got to take people as they are, in whatever mess they're in, whatever they're bringing us, I've said it many times, leaders love, leaders embrace the sloppiness and the messiness of people's lives because this is just where we are. We're in a fallen world and God's giving us these people and they're just going to bring all their junk and all their baggage and they're going to bring them to our doorstep. And if we're not excited about that, if we're not prepared to embrace all that, well, we're probably not really ready to be in the leadership game. But as leaders, we just bring people in where they are. And then what we're going to look for is, okay, here's your level of development. Here's your level of skill. Here's your level of of um, past achievement. And we're going to raise the expectation above that. What we're not going to do is raise the level of expectation. For instance, I would not go to some new person that I'm, I'm leading and expect the level of performance that I expect of myself. 
because that'd be ridiculous. I've been working on myself for a really long time. I've been in the game for a long time. I've been spiraling upward, pouring into my mind, pouring into my spirit, you know, reading seminars, coaching, all of that for decades. It would be foolish to expect that level of performance out of a brand new person, which little side note, a lot of us do, right? A lot of us get frustrated with the new person. And why are we frustrated? Because they act like a new person? What do you expect them to act like? New people act like new people. Young leaders act like young leaders. Immature people act, guess what? Immature. If this is shocking to you, I don't know why it would be shocking. That's what you should expect. Now, if you've got somebody who's been in the game for a long time and they do something really bizarre that they've already achieved a very high level of development, but then they start operating in a way that is way beneath them, now you can be shocked. But don't get frustrated with people for operating out of where they are when you find them. Because that's what we should expect. But what we want to do is, going back to this idea, we want to raise the level of expectation in them. Here's an analogy. You know, I have children. And with my children, especially like with my sons, I'm trying to raise them to be powerful, competent men. Well, I wouldn't go to my son and when he was a five-year-old say, listen, I need you to go build a barn, okay? Just go get it done. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. What would I do? I'd say, hey, son, come saw some of these uh, these boards with me. And here, I'd give you a little hammer. Hey, just put some nails there in the board. I bet you can nail those nails into that board straight. I bet they will be straight as an arrow. It's a little thing. Now all of a sudden he's like, ooh, dad thinks something of me. Dad trusts me with this big hammer. And he's starting to rise up to that. He's like, I'm going to prove him right, right? I didn't ask him to do something way beyond his capability. I just raised up what I believed in him and raised up the expectation of his performance just enough where he could aspire to something, where he could grow into the expectation. And that's really what we're trying to set up is an environment where they can grow into the expectation. So believe in them first and then raise your level of expectancy around their performance and communicate that, but make sure that what you've created as a higher level of performance expectation is within the context of who they are and what they've already been able to achieve. So while we're on this topic, let's just take a second and talk about high performance. Are you performing at the level that you really want? Do you feel like there's another gear that you could go to, but you just don't know how to tap into it? If so, I have a question. Do you have a coach? I mean, if you had it within yourself to get the results you want, you'd already have them. So the question is, do you have a coach? And if you don't, why not? Now, who would seek out a coach? Real simple, winners. Winners seek out coaching. See, non-achievers convince themselves that they don't really need help. They somehow think that it would be a weakness to want a coach. But champions think exactly the opposite. Think about champions in any area, in anything. What do they all have in common? They all have coaches. They all seek the best coaches. Athletes in the offseason go get coaches for specific parts of their game, specific areas of strength they want to develop. Steph Curry recently said, hands down, one of the biggest contributors to my success has been private coaching. Athletes get coaching, singers get coaching, executives get coaching. The best corporations actually require their executives to have private executive coaches. So you want to be a champion. Champions get coaching. Do you have a coach? 
Well, if not, you can have one. You can have me. Every year, I take on a very small number of private coaching clients. It's very limited because of my time. But right now, I've just opened up the opportunity to work with me directly, to become one of my coaching students. All you got to do is go to scottrossonline.com slash coaching. That's scottrossonline.com slash coaching and pick a package that is right for you. And right now I'm offering a special to listeners of the Scott Ross Leadership Podcast, 20% off any coaching package. Just use the code podcast. The code podcast gets you 20% off any coaching package at scottrossonline.com slash coaching. If you want something different in life, you have to do life differently. The window to work with me is going to close soon. Take your game to the next level. Do what champions do. Get a coach. ScottRossOnline.com slash coaching. Can't wait to work with you. Let's make this the best year of your life. Okay, let's move to the next one. Fifth in our list of how to get high performance, third for this episode. I'm sorry it's so confusing. If you just, I don't know, I should pick a number, I guess. We're, we're going through all the ways to raise levels of performance. If you put the two episodes together, we're on number five right now. Is you want to give them insight into how their role impacts a much bigger idea. You're going to show them how their role impacts a much bigger idea. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you're leading the bake sale at church and you've got a new person who's volunteer on the team and you want them to get the tables set up. Well, one thing you could do is you could say to them, listen, I just have seen how you are such an organized person and it's incredible what you can achieve here and all the ways you're going to bless so many people with how organized you are. And um, I just wanted to see if you would be the person who set up the tables because I can trust you to get the tables absolutely aligned straight. Now, here's the thing I just want you to understand. Most of the people coming to this bake sale are going to be guests. They've never come into the church ever, and this is going to be their first impression. And when you have the tables set up in such a way that all of the baking goods are the merchandise just flows very, very easily, you're going to have it's going to be subconscious, but by the tables being straight, it's going to deliver this message of this place is very professional and squared away, and it's also inviting in a place that people would want to come and stay for a long time. I I know it seems small, but these tables actually set the stage for everything we want to try to do with all the guests that are going to come to the event today. So I'm just counting on you. I appreciate you. I'm believing in you. That's why I'm giving you this job. What do we just do? We just showed them how something small, tables, played a role in a bigger idea, winning guests into our church. Now, there is a concept. This is a concept known as worthwhile work worthwhile work. There's a book. I'll put this book in the show notes on scottrossonline.com slash 113. Um, is a book by a management guru named Ken Blanchard. And Ken Blanchard has written, I don't know how many books, it's got to be 50 books on management and, and leadership within a, like a corporate environment. But he wrote a book called Gung Ho. And Gung Ho is about how to create 
massive amounts of enthusiasm in your workplace um, if you're a manager. And he talks about this idea of worthwhile work in that book. And that's this idea of you connect the dots. When you're asking someone to do something that might seem small, it might seem trivial why you're asking them to do it. In fact, they may say, why do they want me to do it that way? You get them to understand the bigger picture perspective. I'll give you an idea. So, um, you know, I coach and lead a lot of direct salespeople, as an example, in my in one of my businesses. And, um, you know, in direct selling, it's very important to make it simple for the average person to succeed. So we have a way that we invite someone to see our information. Well, somebody might say, well, why do I do the invite that way? Like, why wouldn't I go and do something like create like an online email list that then can do a drip campaign to people with like a click through funnel. And then ultimately it would end up funneling the right a number of people in and I would make a bunch of money. Okay. Sounds brilliant until you understand that the bigger idea is we need something that tens of thousands of people can do right now with the resources they already have. Do the average person have the technical wherewithal to do what you just said? No, they don't. So that's why we keep the invitation very simple so that it is duplicatable so that it ends up creating leverage for you by having tens of thousands of people who are able to make that invitation and you can ride off into the sunset. You see, what we did is we connected the simple thing we're asking them to do with a much bigger perspective. That's what you want to do. If you want to get high levels of performance out of people, show them how their little part, the cog that they play in the wheel, it is critical to the overall function. You know, like if you're dealing with customer service people, helping them understand how they are the face of the company and every single call that comes in, they're the touch point that could result in a lifetime fan versus thousands of negative reviews online that could be negative to the company. If you're talking about somebody who sweeps the floor, you have no idea how that improves the morale of our workplace. And if people come in and they, they're in a, in, a, in a dirty environment, they're going to perform less, you literally raise the performance of the entire company by creating this environment that people feel comfortable in and confident in coming to every day. You want to tap into, here's the little thing you do. Here's the small role you play or what you might perceive as small, but this is the big picture and why what you do is absolutely essential. You know, we used to do this in sports. You know, you have wide receivers that all they want to do is catch the ball. You have to help them understand why blocking on this play actually sets up the big play downfield two to three plays from now where you get to catch the touchdown and be the superstar. But it starts with you blocking on this play right here. That's the critical role in this whole scheme we're we're putting together as our game plan. So get people connected to from what they do and what they perceive as small to a much bigger idea. Let's talk about one more for today, and then we're going to wrap up. And that is you need to, once you have believed in them enough to then start to set a higher level of expectation, and then you show them how what you're asking them to do fits into the big picture, you need to inspect what you expect. Inspect what you expect. Another thing that we don't do is we don't give enough feedback. And frankly, it's because a lot of us are scared to give feedback. We are afraid of that 
little bit of discomfort or tension that may rise out of giving feedback to someone that they may not want to hear. You know, you set the expectation here, they performed just a notch below that, and now we need to talk about it. So we just ignore, we just walk away. We don't ever go back and take a look. But if we really want to get high levels of performance, we need people to know that they're accountable to what we ask them for because accountability creates performance. You know, if my children know that they're going to have me walk in their room every day before they ask me for something, and if the room doesn't look the way I want it to look, the answer is always going to be no. Guess what ends up typically happening? The room starts to look the way I want it to look because they know there's going to be a level of accountability there. If there is no accountability, like they can just do whatever they want and they get the positive results they're looking for no matter what, then there's no performance there. So if we are consistently inspecting every time we ask them to do something, we come back and inspect what we've asked for slowly, but surely it gets ingrained in them that accountability is coming. I better make sure it's done. I better make sure it's done right. And then the level of performance rises. You know, an example of this, again, using my military career, I used to uh, work for a gentleman named Colonel Ewing. And Colonel Ewing was brilliant man. He ran uh, the intelligence uh, brigade that I worked for in the headquarters. And, you know, we used to do these staff briefings every single morning. And um, his direct reports were other lieutenant colonels, majors, and captains, and they had to come in and, and, and give this this update every day on what was going on. And I'll never forget that the first several times that this happened, he was assigned as a new commander in the unit. I had already been there. He comes in as a new commander. For about the first month, those were some of the most painful meetings I'd ever sat in in my life. I mean, for lack of a better word, they were just verbal bloodbaths. I mean, these guys would show up and he would just absolutely destroy them with questions, with where's this? Give me this report. What's the visibility on this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How can you not possibly know? You know, just, just absolutely hammering these guys. Well, starting about three weeks in, the aha moments started to occur. And it was crazy the level of performance that started to happen. These guys would come in, all of these these high-level officers, captains, majors, lieutenant colonels were coming in. They were more buttoned up than they'd ever been in their lives. They were more prepared than they'd ever been. They had thought through every scenario. They understood all the implications of what they were going to do. And all of it was things that impacted average soldiers and boots on the ground. And this is why Colonel Ewing did it, is he was thinking about those average people on the ground and that these decisions that are being made in these meetings impacted a real soldier out there in the field. And so all of a sudden, the level of leadership in the entire brigade just rose because he just inspected and inspected and inspected and inspected, and it all came up to the level that he was looking for. And the performance of the unit was unparalleled. That's what we got to do. We've got to create accountability with our people. Now, let me give you a couple of tips on this. Remember, kind of the silver rule, right? We have the golden rule, do unto others as you would do, uh, as you would have done unto you. This is kind of a a sub golden rule for leadership, public praise and private criticism, public praise and private criticism. And let me give you a little caveat, even within that public praise, often private criticism, sparingly public praise, 
often private criticism sparingly. You want to announce from the rooftops every time you see someone doing something you like. You know why? Because you'll end up getting a lot more of it because they're starving for that kind of praise. This goes back to the idea that they're starving for people to believe in them. They're also going to start to see that you're not just a jerk who all you can see in them is the negative. Public praise, public praise, public praise. But if you notice something that doesn't meet your expectation, if you're inspecting what you expect and you notice there's a gap there, You don't talk about it in public. You don't point it out in public. You don't call them out in front of their peers. You take them aside and you talk to them about it on the side. And by the way, even when you're doing that, you're going to sprinkle in some praise. Now, the second thing about that, though, is your criticism needs to be very direct and it needs to be based on the behavior, not the person. So it's not you are, or you did, or you didn't. It is, I noticed that when I asked you to do X, this is what took place. And this result doesn't meet our standards. And let me tell you why. And then let me come back and and repraise you and tell you how much I believe in you. I wouldn't even be having this conversation if I didn't think you were capable of even way more than even what I asked you to do. I asked you to do this because of how much I believe in you. And I know this is an anomaly. I know that this is not your typical MO. You are normally somebody that would deliver. We just got to make sure we button up this one area. And so you're get being very specific with them about it's that one thing. You're not making generalizations about who they are as a person or you're not using words like you always or you never. It's in this one specific area where there was an expectation. You had a specific, there was a specific reason that you didn't meet the expectation. Here's how we can correct that. And I believe in you. I know this is not a big deal. You're going to pull this off. No problem. And in the future, you would never have this problem again because I see so much in you. I see greatness in you. And by the way, I have no hesitation of coming to you again for something I need in the future. Public praise Private criticism. Make sure the public praise is often. Make sure the private criticism is sparing and uh, are used sparingly, and make sure it's very specific. Another little example uh, or, or point around this is to just recognize people in front of their peers as much as you can. Just as many chances as you get to have people have something said that is praiseworthy about a person in front of their peers. You just need to do it. There's don't feel weird about it. Don't be, um, you know, a miser with that. A lot of people are like, well, I don't want them to, you know, get a big head or whatever. forget the big head. Just give them the big head, like praise them in public around their peers. They'll love you for it. So hopefully that helps. I mean, uh, get some high performance, uh, next week. Um, we're going to talk about, or in the next episode, I should say, we're going to talk about Um, getting performance during negative moments and negative times when things are not going well as an organization. How do you draw performance out in the dark times? We're going to talk about that. But just as a quick review, how do you get high performance in general? Number one, you're going to want to model high performance. Number two, you're going to want to cast a big vision for their personal life and the way that they can get a big personal win from their performance. Third thing is you're going to believe in them. Fourth, you're going to set high expectations 
within the context of who they already are. Fifth, you're going to show them how what they're doing impacts a much bigger perspective, a much bigger idea, how they are essential to the grand scheme of what the organization is trying to accomplish. And last, you're going to inspect what you expect. You can get this episode again and uh, all the show notes at scottrossonline.com slash 113. And uh, guys, until next time, I hope this has been of value to you. God bless you. Keep raising your lid. Talk to you later. We hope you have enjoyed this audio program. For more resources to further your development as a world-class leader and for success strategies and tactics in all areas of your life, please visit scottrossonline.com. And be sure to connect with Scott on Facebook and Twitter using the ID at scottrossonline.